Content note, Veronica Mars contains heavy themes, and this episode includes storylines concerning homophobia, transphobia, murder, gambling, and drugs. A long time ago on Veronica Mars. After a year and a half of being a one-line character, Corny finally gets his own plotline! One that involves him getting tased by a serial mugger of pizza deliverers. Is the mugger also targeting Neptune High students who are gay and will pay blackmail money not to be outed? And is the mugger also targeting students in interracial relationships? A multitasking bigoted mugger! Also, Logan is dating Hannah to get her father, the fake witness implicating him in Felix's murder. Hannah's none too pleased to be used, but nor is she pleased to find her dad's stash of coke. Keith, meanwhile, finds proof to exonerate Terence Cook from the bus bombing. But then Veronica finds some explosive evidence. Eh? Sorry to blow your mind, but I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. And I'm like rich dude kryptonite, and I'm Helen Zaltzman. You're listening to Veronica Mars Investigation Season 2, Episode 14, Versatile Toppings. And what do you think of that title, Jenny? Well, it's like pizza, it's like gay stuff, queer culture. It's closer to being clever than a lot of their recent mashup titles, but still (laughs) not quite getting there. (laughs) Uh, I was watching this desperate to know what you were thinking about every moment of it. So great to know that this episode is happening for me anyway. It's, I, I feel like it's not great for you. Uh, yeah. Will there ever be a Veronica Mars episode with unproblematic portrayals of gay people? I think you already know the answer to that is no. <laughs> <laughs> Based on my memory, I don't, I don't think that ever happens. As you know, uh, you know, of course, uh, gay people are... uh, And you speak for all gay people. I speak for them all, and we're all abominations. So it's just a hop and a skip from uh, homosexuality on over to blackmail, uh, outing your partner without consent, uh, Mm. targeting people in your own community. It's not great. Not great. The stunt casting is Kristen Cavallari, who was on Laguna Beach at the time, which is where the fictional Neptune is geographically. So was this stunt casting to show that the Marsverse interacts with real people? Or was it just so that it's like a parallel universe because she's playing a fictional character in this, even though she exists as Kristen Cavallari out of it? So these two things in the same place, same person, and yet different. It's like um, his dark materials. Right. Different Oxfords. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just got to find the little hole in between the... Yep, yep, slip on through. Yep, yep, yep. yep. <laughs> well, now that's queer culture, Helen. <laughs> um... So let's uh, face the mystery of the week first. The one thing that I like about it is that Corny gets a big plot line, sort of. It's it's taken away from him as is his iPod. Oh, his tunes, man. I <laughs> uh, love to see Corny getting to do something. Yeah. It's really fun. He's done his apprenticeship. Yeah, now he's ready to get tased, <laughs> I guess. Poor guy. Corny's car. I love yes. it so much. And if anybody who's listening knows what model that car is, would you please tweet at us at VMIPod and let us know? I'm I'm desperate to know. It's my favorite car of this show so far. Maybe a, a crispy tie with the Impala from the last episode. The first thing I thought when we saw Corny carrying his pizzas and listening to his music and then getting tased was, hey, 
I know somebody we've seen with a taser on this show before. <laughs> is Veronica just tasing pizza delivery guys? Wouldn't that be have been a wild twist? <laughs> okay, so this plot, it starts with the mugging of Corny. So it seems like a serial mugger of pizza deliverers. But then it's also conflated with a plot to out gay students at the school and also then linked with something to do with students who are in interracial relationships. So I didn't really understand why these things are linked, except by some kind of error. Jenny, you have a clarity of vision that I envy and admire. Can you make sense of this? Well, let's not get carried away, but um, they're making things like unnecessarily like kitchen sinky complicated, but trying to trick you into thinking that they've like made a clever plot. You've got the opening with Corny getting tased and his tunes and his pizzas getting taken. But then the uh, plot about the gay students is sort of seeded with like a little uh, homophobic interaction between Dick still reeling from last episode. And the other is uh, Lucas Grabeel of High School Musical who tried to buy coke off Weevil in episode eight of this season and lost a shirt button, which was assault or something. Right, the shirt button. And the other one is someone who dunks Jackie last episode. Ooh. Just to lay the ground again for Neptune High being not that smart about gayness and quite shaming about gayness. Baseball players, right? Remind me, which one of you pitches and which one catches? Relax, Dick. We're not saying that you're gay. I mean, just because you make out with a dude here and there. <laughs> But then it all really kicks off at the lockers. And I recognise Madison's voice, but not her face this time. Yeah. I don't know whether it's because she doesn't wear the wig anymore. Yes, and but maybe she's, she's transformed by the very non-Madisonian act of reading a poem aloud, perhaps? It's Madisonian in that her reading the poem aloud is making someone else very embarrassed and unhappy. And the poem casts Madison in a good light. Here's my favourite part. Taking off our clothes, I put on my disguise... But when we're in the shower, can Madison feel my eyes? She's got the poem from a flyer. It's got like two interlinked female symbols on it. And um, it's from a folder taped to the locker of a student named Marlena. And the file says Marlena's outbox. Yeah, this is like brutal and unpleasant. Um, And God, Madison just like, has she ever had a redeeming quality? Have we ever seen any one nice thing about Madison on the show ever? Um, she wore the wig and didn't complain. That's true. Um, I have to wonder, like, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it just be juicier if they gave us one thing to like about Madison? Give us a Madison episode where they trick us into caring about her a little bit. She's straight, blonde and rich, Jenny. What more do you need? (laughs) Everyone loves that. Sure, sure, sure. Veronica's witnessing all this and she sees uh, Marlena taking the file and uh, going off. But she is, uh, she's grabbed by Ryan from episode eight, who was in love with uh, Marcos, who was murdered on the bus. Remember Ryan? I had forgotten. Uh, but then here he is to remind us. He was the previous victim of the pizza muggings. He was the fourth. Corny was the fifth. And thus he is where these plot lines intersect in a completely unnecessary way. I had something in my wallet. A list that wasn't supposed to get out, ever. That whole Marlena thing, it was my fault. I don't get it. Marlena's name was on a list with nine other gay students. 
That poem everyone was making fun of, Marlena posted it onto a website that I set up. You set up a poetry website? A chat room. It's called the Pirate's Ship. You know, student homosexual internet posting. I was in charge of maintaining usernames and passwords, only the list. I follow, but why would a mugger want to out sweet little Marlena? Because she didn't have the $5,000 he demanded from her to stay in. <sighs> okay, now listen, I love a good acronym, Helen, but <laughs> no fucking self-respecting group of high school students trying to stay under the radar is going to name their little message board the pirate student homosexual internet posting <laughs> site. This is just bad. That's what people who run conversion camps would name the website. Right, exactly. That is not that is not a name gay kids would would select themselves. Also, this this blackmailer is asking people for five thousand dollars. To not out them? The children! Where Even O-Niner children. I mean, I guess we see Kelly sell his rims and then pretend that they got stolen. Hmm. But, like, surely not every kid on the board has access to that kind of money. It seems optimistic. I reckon it'd be better to try and squeeze, like, a couple of hundred dollars out of them on the regular. Surely. Yeah. So Ryan hires Veronica. All the kids on his uh, list can pay her a hundred dollars. So then we go to Cho's Pizza from the Kane Scholarship episode. Corny lovingly describes the pizza <laughs> that the muggers stole off him. And to be honest, I'd love this episode. It's just Corny describing pizzas. So what'd they get off you, Corny? Oh, the cash, my teens. Playing the pizza, you know. It's pepperoni, thick crust. It's a real nice pie. Then shock news from Ryan. The people on the orders had not ordered pizzas. So it's all some kind of trap. Right, right. And so they managed to supply Veronica with a list of those names. So she's got two lists now. She's got the kids who were being blackmailed for being gay and the people who hadn't ordered pizzas. So maybe that's why she thinks the crimes are linked, because they both involve lists. (laughs) Veronica goes into the toilet office. She just goes in and washes her hands. She doesn't use the toilet. Veronica Mars doesn't roll that way. I would have thought she'd be grateful of the time to sit down and uh, be by herself, but no. No, 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 no. I like this lore where Veronica is not like other carbon-based life forms. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't engage Mm-mm. in traditional methods of um, elimination. No. She just takes in fuel. It uh, burns in her like a like coal or oil, you know, and then um, she just goes on with her day and washes her hands. Yeah. Maybe she doesn't go to the toilet because she never gets to use the toilet because she's always interrupted by someone wanting to hire her. In this case, uh, Kristen Cavallari out of Laguna Beach, who is being blackmailed. Really? You're being blackmailed. Sorry to blow your mind, but I'm a lesbian, Veronica. Oh. Well, that's cool. Only when you're in college. A cheerleader who's a lesbian, Helen? This does not compute. Neptune cannot hold these two things in one person. Yeah. Yeah. But in 24 hours, Veronica is going to like do the cash and drop off for her blackmail uh, payout. So that's happening. And then uh, the school news channel, which, as we know, is uh, only to be turned on in times of uh, crisis. <laughs> right now, it's announcing the annual physics Olympics, which sounds thrilling. Sure, why not? But that's not all it's announcing, because Kylie's like, what's up, everybody? I'm gay, and Marlena's my girlfriend. 
And everyone's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, turning to each other to chat at their desks. Wow. And also she's interviewing um, Lucas Grabeel, aka Kelly Cuccio, about having his rims stolen. Six grand, six grand of rims and being mugged. So two bits of information in one news bulletin. Great efficiency. $1,500 per rim? That just seems exorbitant. Then cut to Kylie and Marlena walking down the halls, hand in hand. Kylie's really strutting. Marlena seems a little more shy, I guess, because this wasn't really on her terms. Not at all. And of course, Dick is there to celebrate as if all this is for his benefit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He's high-fiving some dude we've never seen before, I think. And then he wonders aloud why... Lesbians are so pissed off all the time. Why are lesbians so pissed off all the time, Jenny? Well, how long do you have? Is it because uh, uh, cis straight men keep acting like you're lesbian on their behalf? Um, sure. Put that in the pile and light it on fire. <laughs> we also get this like little follow-up, a rare piece of follow-up on a, a one-off episode bit. Mm. Dick... <laughs> Dick is like running down the the rich dudes uh, whose lives Veronica has touched. Logan Eccles, accused of murder. Duncan Kane, <laughs> accused of kidnapping. Robbie and Hunter from one angry Veronica went to Chino. They're in Chino. Huh. They're in Chino. So I don't know if they're awaiting appeal or what's going on, but uh, I thought it was... Uh, rare and interesting that we heard something about what happened uh, in that one-off jury episode. He says that Veronica's like rich dude kryptonite, which I think would be great if you want to destroy personal wealth. Uh, yeah, just hold Veronica near everyone. Hey, Jeff Bezos, come here. Let me rub this Veronica <laughs> Mars all over you. She's like a degausser of the wealthy. Yes! Either that or she would date him. In... That's also her method. <laughs> And then we re-meet the lovely Carmen from episode 20 of season one, the one whose uh, popsicle eating became a scandal. Yes, yeah. But she's like, no one remembers my popsicle scandal anymore. Ha ha ha. I'm glad she's free. But she is on the list of names for the pizza mugger, but she doesn't know why. But then she figures out the connection between her and the other people on the list. Ha ha. Obviously, you, John Ramos, and Amy are all students. You live relatively close. But is there anything else that would tie you together in the mugger's mind? We're all coconuts. That's what you get called in Neptune when you're Latino and date white people or join honor society. Get it? Like Twinkies and Oreos, except we're brown on the outside. No, I get it. I'm sorry. Hey, you didn't make the rules. She's going to compile a list of the other, as she calls them, coconuts. So a third list. A third list. Okay, great. So many lists. Although possibly with intersection with the other lists. Chronologically, my next note is Kelly Cusio seems pretty full of shit. I can't remember what this is in reference to, but I bet you know. (laughs) (laughs) That's uh, very appropriate. So he's out in the parking lot getting marsed. Aha. Because Veronica, having seen the report of him getting mugged, she's like, well, okay, so how long were you out cold? Because it would have taken people a while to remove your rims. Did they bring their own jack? And he's like, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I already told everything to the cops. So why do I have to tell you as well? Which is a question I think a lot more people could ask in this show. Do you have to put your car up to take the rims off? I would have thought they would just kind of like pop off like a hubcap. What do I know, though? Nothing about rims. If you know anything about rims, please tweet at us at VMIPod and let us know what we're getting wrong here. If you have ever tased someone... <laughs> 
Did it uh, afford you enough time to steal their rims? I don't know how long people are out when they're tased. Mm. Or just, we can do the tase research. Just let us know what's the fastest you've ever removed your own rims. <laughs> Thanks. Back at the Cho's Pizza, Corny's packing a pizza and taking a phone call. Yo, he answers the phone, Cho's za. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, does anyone in England say za for pizza? Of course we don't. <laughs> it's barely a saving. One syllable. A penny saved is a penny earned, Helen, as I always say. And the same goes for syllables. An order comes in for a name off Carmen's list. So Corny's ready to be bait. So are you ready to be the bait, Corny? Hell yeah. No one's better. I'm what you call the master bait. It's his big moment. So off he goes with three pizzas. A pursuer comes out of the shadows to be tripped up by Veronica and then growled at by backup. Did Veronica not have time to, like, paint a convincing tunnel opening on, like, a brick wall or, like, (laughs) hoist a piano up on a pulley in front of this address? Like, what is this business? Her acme hole in the ground hadn't arrived in time. Exactly. I do like seeing her do something that doesn't involve a taser, though. Uh, Minimal damage. Well, it would be derivative of the pizza mugger. Right. So... She's just got to get a growly dog instead um, to scare the shit out of this person who is a freshman named Arturo. Happy to see backup under any circumstances. I like to see backup out doing jobs. A very effective buddy. Dogs like to have a purpose. And Arturo says that he did the muggings, but he didn't do the mugging of Kelly or take the rims. Or do any of the blackmailing of uh, the pirate ship students. Doesn't even know what the word is. What an alibi. And he's doing it all to impress Thumper so he can get into the PCHs. Oh, buddy, no. Thumper is a weird and rubbish leader from what we've seen last week, punching a balloon with very light menace. He's no weevil. This is weird, right? Because he's like ordering the pizzas to the homes of these students who he's identified to be under the umbrella of what Carmen refers to as coconuts. But but he's tasing the the individual delivering the pizza, stealing the pizzas. It, it's very confusing. Like, what exactly is his motive for for using those particular individuals as the delivery points? But n- <laughs> okay, I started out feeling very confident uh, just now, thinking I think I know what's going on. It was really brave. Very brave. Thank you. It's like you, you drove your car up what the sat-nav told you was a real road, but it turns out it's not, and now you're in a river. <laughs> Help! Maybe maybe Arturo's thinking was that those individuals who ordered the pizzas would then be under scrutiny or punishment of some kind uh, for not paying for the pizzas that ever arrived. Helen, are mm. we just helplessly hopelessly stupid what is this episode about i'm a fly trapped in a room and i can't get out yeah because i don't think the police are involved in the pizza tasing presumably the pizza deliverers aren't carrying a shit ton of cash so there's not an enormous financial incentive there is a pizza incentive but on the whole yeah well veronica's got a tiny tape of this confession so that's that for arturo later deputy sax shows up and finds arturo taped to a slow children road sign and an envelope saying confession inside. And rather than like saying anything to him or cutting him down, he just takes the envelope and reads yeah. it in silence and then smirks. <laughs> so, a rare Deputy Sack sighting. It's silent. I wonder how he's 
uh, dealing in the aftermath of his uh, date with Ms. Hauser, if he's been um, utterly destroyed in any way. I hope his boundaries were respected, but I wouldn't trust Ms. Hauser to behave appropriately no. in any circumstance. Ooh, I wonder if uh, I wonder if she got like booked on account of the carnival money embezzlement scam, and if they ran into each other, and <gasps> maybe they had uh, steamy county jail sex. Okay. Anyway, uh, I really wish that I hadn't thought of that. Uh, pushing it back down from whence it came. I wish you hadn't, Jenny, and I can't push it back down. Now it's inflated <laughs> like a huge hot air balloon in no. my brain. No! At school, Veronica needs a favor from Mac. Still haven't forgiven Mac for her prank last week, so I don't consider her to be an ally of queer people. And yet, I guess now we're supposed to assume she is. Ugh. I need you to get me into a restricted website. Sure, what's the address? I don't know. What's it for? It's a Neptune Hyde gay chat room. Veronica, you're not... No, I'm just curious. <laughs> curious as to what's posted on the website, more accurately. Here we go. Work your funky magic. Tell you what, the phrase, work your funky magic... <laughs> Gave me a full body cringe. Yeah, no thank you. It's like when your mum says trendy yeah. and 80% of you dies instantly. I would have expected a phrase like work your funky magic to come up during uh, Deputy Sachs and Ms. Hauser's uh, fake sexy yeah. jail sex that I just made up. Aha, stop it. Sorry. Is this your revenge <laughs> on all that has been wrought against lesbians in yeah. this episode? Yeah. Like, I'm going to invent the worst heterosexuality. I feel attacked. How dare they? How fucking dare they? How dare they? I know. So uh, Mac, the ally who has beefed up the security for this gay Neptune student site, but she's no match for Veronica saying, please, can I have access to the thing that you hold the keys to and you're supposed to be guarding as a private uh, personal space that is safe for these people? <laughs> and Mac... Gives it up, she gives Veronica a, are you ready, hard copy of the message board, which is another way of saying she prints it out, I guess. I was like, if you want to protect people's security at all, why the fuck are you printing out? Just log Veronica in and then log her out yeah. so she can never log in again. What I... more do you need? But Jenny, please delight us all by describing this website. Helen! There's an undulating rainbow that isn't like exactly quite rainbow enough you know but it's like flowing and then there's a pirate face in front of it and then it like has the name like the acronym name spelled out uh <laughs> it's bad helen is the pirate doing like kissy lips as well oh i'm if he is i blocked it out a lot of blocking things out from this episode and recent episodes <laughs> so mac logs in as an administrator and we get to see some threads that are taking place in this message board, such as, I can't take it anymore. Does he have to know? Gay or just open? Or your first special moment? 47 pages overall. Jesus Christ, Helen, you took copious notes. And then with her hard copy, Veronica is highlighting stuff in a public place. And I was just Dude. expecting the whole time someone get hold of it and like out every kid in the school. But luckily that doesn't happen. But Ryan does roll up on her while she's doing this. Just appears from nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the uh, gay powers you don't really hear much about. Oh. That's something we can do. Nice. 
They should put that in the forum. <laughs> How to apparate. You get a teleport, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's a trade-off, I guess. She tells Ryan she thinks the blackmailer is actually one of the posters on the board. She specifically cites Ms. P, uh, who posted something about the outing of all outings, but Ryan reveals that Ms. P actually died in the bus crash. Save this information for later. The outing of all outings <laughs> in Neptune, mentioned by someone who died in the bus crash. But don't think about it now because there's been another blackmailing letter, but the victim's unlikely to come to Veronica Mars. I mean, I wouldn't out myself to old toxic heterosexuality either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh, I wonder who it could be, Helen. Well, Kelly Cuccio's rimless car is uh, a critical character in this. The car has license plates that say, Cause I can. K-U-Z-Z-I-K-A-N. And that's rather similar to Kissin' Cousin, K-I-S-S-K-U-Z-N, on the message board. Similar enough for Veronica anyway. That's what detectives do. Mash words together until sense is made. If you were a closeted student using a secret message board, wouldn't you just, like, come up with a name that didn't have anything to do with your actual name? Yeah. Cool. Well, he didn't. Ah, Veronica gets in his car, right? And she's asking him leading questions. And then, and then the questions intensify until she says, you're gay, aren't you? And then the camera slow zooms in and it cuts to commercial, the drama. (laughs) I just thought like maybe that Kelly had blacked out for a minute. Yeah. When Kelly wakes up and we come back from commercial, he um, identifies as queer, which seems a little ahead of the curve linguistically i think so i think the reclamation of the word had already been happening but it seems unlikely that it would have filtered down to this guy in this environment in 2006 right right he shows veronica his blackmail email and it's from rick santorum (laughs) (laughs) rick santorum gives a local address for sending the blackmail money so of course veronica puts a tracker in and then she and ryan watch it end up at 7079 Hubble Street. Ron knows who lives there and now so do we. It's fucking Kylie. Sorry to blow your mind, but it's Kylie. She's been running this whole scam. This is terrifying. This is really terrifying. And um, just like add it to the the terrible things that have <laughs> have happened or been represented by LGBTQ characters on this show, the, the few that we've had. Uh, Veronica says, why do you out Marlena? And Kylie says, because I'm a horrible, crazy bitch. Not enough explanation. She wanted to be out and she wanted Marlena to be out so they could be like a normal couple. But Marlena wasn't comfortable. So she just fucking forced it on her like a psychopath, like a monster. She doesn't seem that asked. She's just like, well, I better go and tell her that that's what I did. Whoops. I would assume this is a relationship ending offense. Yeah, this this girl is like American psycho level sociopath. She's terrifying. She doesn't care about anyone, even her own partner. She's very scary. So this is a great horror episode of Veronica Mars. <laughs> what has Marlena done to deserve this? Yeah. And Kylie seems plenty cheerful despite these crimes. She even gives Veronica her tracker back, which is uh, very nice. Thoughtful. Those things probably aren't cheap. Yeah. Veronica's like, usually people smash them up and they are expensive. And Kylie retrieved the package from the post office where her mother works. She wanted to get out of Neptune, which I guess she wanted a bunch of money to do. Veronica gets that. So why not target the other 
closeted queer kids at your school. Um, that seems great. Look, I'm not saying I approve of this tactic either, but given what the guys here are like, <laughs> she could just do like performative uh, lesbian webcams for people yeah. like Dick for like $1,000 a minute. If this was 2020, Kylie would just have an OnlyFans page. Right. And she'd be raking it in. I'm not saying she even has to do sex stuff. She just has to exist on a webcam. Yeah. She can be fully clothed, but just happens to be lesbian. And they'll be like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. That's it. That's it. The money makes itself. Mm -hmm. So that's depressing. Very depressing. (laughs) Do you think they were just aware of the film, But I'm a Cheerleader, about a lesbian cheerleader and thought, oh, we could do something with that? Sure. Yeah. Why not? In my opinion... The rest of the episode is better than that part. Yeah. I agree with that. Where should we go first? Logan Town or Terrence Cook Town? Let's start with Logan because that guy, it's... Logan is uh, lingering near some vending machines where a dude is getting a strawberry soda. Have you ever seen such Uh. a thing? Not in a vending machine. Also, this high school student uh, buying a strawberry soda from the vending machine looks like he's about 35, 40 years old. Or maybe he's staff. No, 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 no. He has the um, like presence of a teen, but the visage of someone who's seen so much more. <laughs> like so many of these kids, because, you know, we just know the traumas Veronica's been dealing with, and she's one of many. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So Logan is... Um, over by the vending machines because that's where he and Hannah are making out. Burr, it's a chilly day in Neptune because Hannah is wearing a woolly scarf and beanie that are both pink argyle. They've got like pink argyle. St- strong like Elon Musk and Grimes vibes in this <laughs> moment for some reason. I can't picture either Elon Musk or Grimes in pink argyle <laughs> because Meg's not there anymore and... um Madison, they've slightly pivoted her style. Hannah's getting all the pink clothes. Right, right, right. I quite like Hannah, actually. She has some decent lines. She does seem very young. Yeah, like very young. But she's cute and she's sweet and she's uh, smart. And hey, you know, Logan is charming. So we get it, Hannah. You got to do what you got to do. So this scene where they're making out Mm -hmm. is uh, very different from the next time we see them interact where logan's uh walking down the hall with dick and they're like talking about partying and surfing or whatever the surf carbo surfing and carbo yeah and she walks up selling something for like school fundraising business and logan acts like he doesn't know her which sucks and also dick uh, gets to check out her boobs under the auspices of buying spirit (laughs) buttons which he doesn't even i don't see why this is uh necessary and he could have at least said hello as you would to any random selling pep buttons. Yeah, just be a fucking person. Okay. Also, they were all over the carnival. Everyone could have seen them at the carnival. Oh, yeah. What's changed? Some bullshit. But win her back, he does. Because they have made a date to meet at her house on Saturday night, which is a big and glassy place, <laughs> he turns up and Hannah looks a bit miffed, but softens almost immediately. And his excuse is like, yeah, I compartmentalise because my first girlfriend was murdered And my second girlfriend was nearly murdered, so just want to protect you, right? Yeah, yeah. He's like, check out my pattern of dead or nearly dead ex-girlfriends, and then you'll see that it's totally reasonable for me to ignore you. But Helen, big news, because Logan and Hannah are enjoying movie night 
in the lower level of the Griffith house. And Logan must feel right at home because behind them on the wall is an enormous piece of face art. A huge <gasps> face. Lo- it's got to be eight feet tall. Looming really, behind them that. hung on the wall. Oh, yes. Is it of Hannah's dad? I think, if memory serves, that it was of a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and assumably not Hannah's mom uh, because they are divorced. Mm. Maybe it's of one of his plastic surgery clients. Mm, very possible. They're snuggling and snacking and talking about how Hannah's parents split a year ago because they grew apart slash were always arguing about money. Interrupted by Dr. Tom Griffith coming downstairs in a blue shirt and gold tie, even though it's Saturday night. Very cash. (laughs) He looks horrified and then goes back upstairs. Sort of like when a vampire is sucked back into their coffin. (laughs) Yeah, Logan pops upstairs to have a little threat party with dad. Logan uses the toilet. He's a toilet person. He's a toilet person. That's mm, in more ways than one. (laughs) I want you to get out of my house and never speak to her again. You really want that to happen? You better rethink what you saw on the bridge. Scratch that, what the Fitzpatrick's told you you saw. You can't threaten me, you little punk. I'd be here if you couldn't be threatened. So do you want to be the one to explain to Hannah why you're really here? Try and bully me? Why don't you tell her? Sounds like you guys are already so close. Sure, she'll see things your way. Please don't do this. While you're at it, try explaining why you never mentioned how you're the mystery witness in my murder case. That'll be good. Mm. I think he leaves this conversation, Logan leaves this conversation with a with the upper hand. Yeah. But also, dude, Hannah's a person. I don't know. It sucks. This is the thing. I like Logan versus Tom Griffith, but I hate Logan using Hannah. Even though he's like, no, I wasn't using you later. He bloody is. After he leaves, of course, Tom tells Hannah about the whole uh, murder thing. So in school, she's studying in a pink polo neck because she's the pink person now. And Logan enters and gives the teacher a note that somehow propels Hannah out into the hallway so that he can grab her and shove her into a classroom. He seems to be like thinking about romance when he does this. Yes. He just wants some like out of class smooching. But she does not because she's like, you're a murderer though. Also, he keeps grabbing her arm and like shoving her. There's a lot of physical intimidation yeah. from him in this scene. Uh, that's not great. Um, but you can see in Hannah's face that she like isn't totally closed off to Logan's version of events. And he says, you know, your dad's in debt to the, the Fitzpatricks. Keep an open mind and look around your house and see if there's anything there that, that backs up my side of stuff. Yeah. Who would you believe... Uh, your dad or a guy you've been on two dates with? Well, depends on the dad. <laughs> depends on the guy. Um, her dad seems like a real fucking cre- like ice creep. Yeah. Terrible tie also. <laughs> Very chilling looking house. It looks like the kind of house where you've, if you've got a, a film where a woman escapes an evil controlling husband, that's where he would live. Oh, yes. A hundred percent. He kind of actually reminds me, now that we're talking about it, he kind of reminds me of the the surgeon in The Human Centipede. Oh. Similar cold energy. Maybe that's the kind of surgery he has been doing. I hope not, Helen. The one thing I do love about this scene is that Logan is wearing some classic pond-coloured attire. Oh, yeah. And because the classroom walls are kind of light brown and it's fairly dimly lit, all you can really see is his hovering head. Yes, yes, blending in with his surroundings. As he would in nature. (laughs) So Hannah 
takes this to heart and she checks the caller ID in her home and sees about a million calls to different Fitzpatricks and the River Styx. Well, just the name Fitzpatrick without specifying yeah. which of the many it is. Did the dad fill in all those contacts on the landline? Right? Or is it caller ID's work? It's like he wants to be found. Um, And then she goes into the bathroom opens a box of bandages and finds, of course, a stash of Coke. That's where I keep mine, Helen. Yes, so that you can use it after you've brushed your teeth. Or right before I brush my teeth. This seems weirdly, I don't know, like not, I guess it's kind of hidden. If it's in like the mm. bathroom that's like off of his bedroom, then maybe that's a thing. I'm sure he's got air vents he could have hidden it in. Kids hurt themselves all the time, air vents. Kids hurt themselves all the time. Especially in that house, all, all cold, hard edges. Yeah, all gla- glass waiting to be shattered. Uh, <laughs> it stands to reason that she might need a bandage at some point, that he should be keeping his Coke in his underwear drawer. So, like, there's not a huge amount of plot advancement with this this week, just more entrenchment of Logan versus Tom with Hannah as the ballast. Right. She's catching feelings. She's catching feelings. He comes by art class as it's getting out. Uh, and she's like, you were right about my dad. And then they hold hands and then a song kicks in and it's like, I don't know what love is. And then Veronica and Mac see them holding hands walking down the hallway. Veronica looks back at them as if she's dying a bit. And I suppose she knows Logan's got a type, which is pretty blondes who are quite good at quips. And Kendall was sort of an aberration, like rebound person. But she's like, well, Hannah's his type. This might actually be real that's how i interpreted her look and as we all know no boys are allowed to like any girls except veronica no the song is by the british band star sailor because we know the music supervisor of this show loves british indie bands of the mid 2000s yes 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 and that's it for logan right that's like the yeah yeah not not too busy this week just a bit of uh messing with a dad and being a jerk is well within his wheelhouse. Not a stretch. Like, he didn't need to prepare for this in any way. He was ready to go. Just like rolling out of bed. So the two long plot arcs of the season are Who Killed Felix and Bus Crash. And we get a bit of both of them. So off to Terence and Keith, this sort of uh, buddy relationship. I don't know whether we've seen Keith before with like a regular pal like this, have we? I don't think so. I think the only person, the only adults we've seen Keith interact with on an ongoing basis have been Alicia and Cliff, right? <laughs> yeah. Sorry to, Both sorry to rub love. salt in the wound of absent Alicia. Mm. But yeah, now he's got his little baseball buddy who's being followed by the paparazzi. Uh, you know, Neptune is just crawling with paparazzi. Uh, he's being harassed <laughs> by Sheriff Lamb. And he doesn't remember what he did between 5 and 11, which is relatable content. He makes a quip about the paparazzi waiting for him to make a run for it in his Bronco. Or I assumed it was a quip, but then later we see Jackie driving a Bronco. So there is a Bronco in the Cook car collection. It is curious because it feels like a very straight ahead OJ Simpson reference. But Yep. And I suppose he is a, a, a black sports player accused of a murder. But I think Jackie... Was all like Jackie also had access to the Bronco. I think we've seen the Bronco uh, way back yeah. in the first episode that that uh, we knew Jackie was Terrence Cook's daughter. Yeah, well, she was introduced with a complaint about the car she was allowed to drive. Right, 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 right. So from what Terrence remembers of the day, he was at Sharkfield until 5 p.m. And then at 11 p.m. he saw news of the crash on TV. Can't remember in the middle. 
And uh, when Keith is like, how come? And he's like, well, can you? And Keith's like, no, you're right. So that's fair. I do find it a bit frustrating that there's always these reasons why things aren't going to work for this plotline because they do need to prolong it (laughs) for such a long time. So then Keith gets Veronica to find out who's on Terence's call list. She's like, who's this guy? And he's like, oh, crazy Hank, a guy who works on my car. We were, wait a minute, we were at a casino that day. Aha! And Keith's like, brilliant, casinos have loads of surveillance footage. And Terence is like, yeah, but I owe the casino millions, so they're not going to help you out. Oof. But I'll help Keith Mars out. He goes there, walks and talks with Leonard Lobo. You know, who can resist a walk and talk? Now, what's he paying you, Mr. Mars? $400 a day. That's $400 a day he should be paying me. Terrence Cook's going to get charged with murder any day now. Terrence Cook owes me a significant amount of money. That's where my interest in him begins and ends. They can swing him from the rafters for all I care. Well, maybe all that swinging will drop some change from his pockets. It might be a little hard to get paid by an incarcerated man. Reggie, check the tapes. See what you come up with. It's just good sense. Mr. Lobo's got a better chance of getting paid if Terrence Cook doesn't go to jail. Exactly. Either way, though, whether Terrence Cook goes to jail or is kind of in hock to the casino forever, he's got a pretty shit time ahead. (laughs) Yes. Keith, however, gets uh, $2 worth of chips to have fun with while uh, Lobo's people find the footage for him. So that's nice. And he seems so stressed. Oh, man. I am with him. Uh, Gambling is just not for me. I would be Keith in this scenario. Keith, you got to just cash those out and uh, take that $2 home, you know? Can you even cash out $2 or other cashiers? Just like, don't even. And he loses the $2, but luckily is saved by a tap on the shoulder. (laughs) They've got all these surveillance pictures for Keith and Keith's like, but wait, there's five vital minutes missing. Where's Terence Cook at precisely 7.03pm? So then he tries to make a phone call amid the slot machines and one of the goons is like, sir, take it outside Uh, because we jam all the signals Oh ho! uh, so that cheats cannot cheat. Jamming the signals? Cue Keith's smug face. (laughs) Ha! Yeah, I guess he doesn't need those vital five minutes after all. How big's the casino? Is it possible to walk out, make a call, come back in? Have you ever traipsed around uh, an American casino, Helen? I hope not. I have, and I guess it's like trying to get out of an Ikea in under 20 minutes. Exactly. They sprawl. Do they really do the signal blocking, I wonder? I think they do. I think that's real. Hmm. So this seems like great news and somewhat of a relief because we can be like, oh, finally, they don't have to keep on with this plot. And yet... And yet, when Keith gives Terrence the news, Terrence tells him that Leonard Lobo was accused of throwing a game at some point, so he's on this, like, list of unsavory characters and, like, wouldn't be a good alibi or, like, is the kind of alibi source that would just, like, make more problems for Terrence. I'm tired, Helen. Can't these guys just figure it out? Just one breakthrough, please. Yeah. Just fucking eliminate him. Move on to the next thing. But they're going to take the photos to the sheriff. Now, at school, uh, Veronica is trying to catch a lift to the game, the sports game, on the bus with the guys. But the teacher is like, no, no girls with guys. (laughs) Girls are just a distraction. You know what happens to guys when there's a girl around? It's become uncontrollable. (laughs) Like werewolves. You're like a full moon (laughs) to a werewolf, Veronica. (laughs) What's funny to me is like during this conversation, Jackie comes into the classroom as if she's got class, offers Veronica a ride in her car instead 
and then leaves. So what was she coming in for? She just missed Veronica, Helen. Let them. That's sweet. Let them be friends. I love them being friends, Jenny. Loved it last episode. Love it this episode. But you know, Jackie can't just like roll to Mm-mm. a basketball game in the Bronco, the bouncy Bronco. <laughs> no, no, no. She drives Veronica to a fucking hangar full of fancy rich guy cars. The cars are Terrence's cars, but the hangar is Woody's hangar. Yeah. The mayor has a hangar. There's sure. a fucking helicopter in it. Yeah, why not? And what's interesting is that uh, Jackie's like, take your pick. But most of the cars are parked in such a way that they wouldn't be able to just like be driven out. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they get winched out the top. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Take your pick of the two cars that are kind of in the exit points. This reminded me of a place that I went to once called the Cars of the Stars Museum. Now I think it's shut down, sadly, where someone in the rural northwest of England had collected all these cars that had been in films, like a DeLorean, they had the A-Team van, um, the Flintstones car, a lot more rides in that that I would have been excited to get to take to the game. Yeah, fucking take the Flintstones car. Well, the problem with the Flintstones car is that you have to pedal it with your caveman feet. I suppose, and they've got a 75-mile journey. Fair enough. No wonder Veronica chooses a Bentley. (laughs) And she gets to drive it on the way home, which is startling. That seems like the the hardest thing to suspend my belief about that Jackie would let (laughs) Veronica drive that car. That just seems crazy. It's a giant car. Can Veronica even reach the pedals? Pedals, no. (laughs) Definitely not. They're chatting about how Wallace did some Jordan-esque achievements at the sports game, but they can't praise him to his face because Veronica prefers him humble, as we know. She likes to keep him at her mercy by making his self-esteem damaged. No amount of praise could poison Wallace. He's a perfect basketball angel. Then we get Keith and Terrence Cook uh, confronting Lamb with the surveillance photos, uh, trying to to get him to back off of uh, Terrence Cook as a part of this investigation. But no, Lamb is unwilling to participate in this. I want you to announce that Terrence Cook has been cleared of suspicion in the bus crash. (laughs) What? Is some kind of Jedi mind trick? When Lamb is clearly going to be difficult and Keith hands him a CD to... um, essentially blackmail him, Lamb crosses his fingers and says, I really hope it's the new Big and Rich. Helen, do you know, are you familiar with the musical artist Big and Rich? I'm not, Jenny, should I? Well, they are, I think, best known for their country smashola, save a horse, ride a cowboy. That doesn't work. That's about sex. That's have sex with Don't a cowboy. Don't fuck a horse. Fuck a cow- <laughs> no, okay. no, 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 no. What a message. Listen, you, you, have to, you have to hold two layers in your mind at the same time. Don't mm. ride a horse regular. Instead, mm-hmm. fuck a cowboy. Take a cowboy to the races hmm. and see if they can handle the jumps. Hmm. Just make sure you only have one headphone in at any time. <laughs> Don't... <laughs> I just don't think this uh, analogy works, Jenny. Hmm, Helen, I feel like you're missing the spirit of modern American country music. Am I by Jove? (laughs) It seems appropriate that Lamb would like this. Yeah, this is exactly the kind of shit I could picture Lamb rocking out to. Except Lamb seems unfucked by uh, all of this that's happening. You don't back off, Sheriff. And that recording is going straight to Woody Goodman. The newspapers, your grandmama. Right. Here's how it's going to play out, Slugger. Release the tape. I lose my 50K civil servant job. You, you lose your Hall of Fame induction, your color commentating gig, your endorsements. 
where's the trade in that, Terence? Also, as Lamb counts out things, he gives Terence the finger. <laughs> wow. Petty, but that's how he likes to be. Yeah. But back in the hangar, the uh, car's top won't go up, and Veronica's like, well, Bentley's and my shit car that everyone talks about being shit all the time are basically the same. Broken fuse. I'll just go and get a screwdriver to fix it. Except... The screwdrivers are kept in the exact same place as all these explosives and detonators. Helen! You never know when you might need an explosive close at hand. Does Veronica even know what... I don't know. They they don't show us anything. We don't know what she sees, right? No. Maybe it's cartoon sticks of dynamite. Ooh, yes. <laughs> Please let it be so. It's shocking enough, uh, a revelation, that she wakes up Keith and he's like, oof, so much for my gut trusting Terrence. Yeah. That's what happens when you love sports people, just yeah. broken hearts. But just hang on, Keith. Let's get a look at these explosives in the next episode, probably. <laughs> it sort of felt like some progress was being made, except essentially not. There's still doubt as to whether Terence is innocent. And the proof that he wouldn't have done it is inadmissible for reasons. So no real movement on these season-long mysteries. Yeah. Yeah, we're just treading water here. Well, shall we go now to our resident legal expert and Southern Californian marshmallow low dots for today's lowdown? Dear God, yes, let's go. Okay, Lo, I'm going to start with a simple question insofar as I can summon one as this episode goes. (laughs) At the beginning, Corny drives up and he's wearing headphones. But is it not illegal to wear headphones whilst driving in California? It is. It's actually illegal to wear headphones um, in both ears, either driving or biking. So technically, he wouldn't be violating the vehicle code, and it's just a fine, but you can get points on your license for it. What about if you're riding a horse? (laughs) It's still a form of transport. I think, well, the vehicle code doesn't really cover horses, I don't think. So, I mean, I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, I don't think so. Keith and Terrence Cook are on a hunt to come up with an alibi that proves that Terrence Cook couldn't have made this call at exactly 7.03, right? And I'm wondering if you have a sense or you can enlighten us uh, to sort of any data that you may have accrued over your years of uh, being intimately familiar with the law <laughs> about people and alibis like... How frequently does somebody need a to-the-minute alibi? How likely are they to be able to produce that to-the-minute alibi? And, like, if you asked me yesterday what I did, or if you asked me today what I did yesterday, I would tell you that I was home all day. Except I would be forgetting that I left for a half hour to pick my dog up from the vet, which is exactly the window during which the plumber stopped by to fix a drain. And when you murdered the plumber? (laughs) Blew up the drain. When I murdered the plumber. Yes, exactly. No, when when the plumber texted me this morning and was like, I came by yesterday. And I was like, how the fuck could that be? I was here. I'm just saying like the fallibility of human memory. I know I'm taking it the long way around, low, But like, how do people even come up with fucking alibi? Like, how, how can you prove? How can anyone remember episode one halfway through the season? This is what I'm saying. So- I think that you're probably forgetting that in the day and age of technology, most people do have alibis as to where they are because your phone is tracking you everywhere. Um, They convict a lot of people uh, based 
on their cell phones pinging certain towers and being in the vicinity of certain <gasps> places. Yes, we've had serial season one. But I think Terrence here, first of all, the prosecution has the burden of proof. The prosecution has to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that this thing happened, this person committed this crime. The standard of proof in civil cases is lower. But for Terrence Cook, I don't think that they are trying to prove his alibi so much, not because he's required to do it. He's trying to give an alibi so Lamb will get off his back so that he cannot go through this trial by media, which is really what he's concerned with. He doesn't want all the gambling stuff brought up. But right now, the case against Taryn Cook is pretty weak. Like, the kids went to a baseball field, and there's remnants of baseball memorabilia on the bus. Like, yes? How are you actually going to tie Terrence to this case? Why Keith and Terrence are willing to resort to felony extortion um, to get Lamb to back off. Yeah, that didn't seem like the most above-board tactic. I don't even know. Like, Lamb is committing extortion in the tape. Um, because yes, he will lose his job and he will be charged with a crime. And not only that, but Terrence could sue him. And then Keith and Terrence, Mm. again, with the extortion, and and it's worse because Lamb is a public figure and you're extorting this public figure to do a public act. Um, Bribing politicians and blackmailing politicians is never a great thing to do. This mutual assured destruction, as Veronica calls it, doesn't really sit well with me, for Keith especially. Wasn't good in season one, episode 20. It's not good now. It doesn't make sense. We've talked before about possession of incendiary devices, so the explosives would be a crime. Um, possession of the explosives. That whole, again, the idea that Terrence has explosive is, is itself a crime, but the idea that the police would have to tie those particular explosives to the explosives that were detonated on the bus, like, I'm still not seeing it great. A great conviction happened here for Terrence Cook. Well, especially as the hangar belongs to another person. Exactly. That's right. It belongs to Woody. So, you know, he does have access to it. So that's, you know, they're going to use that. But why do they have all those cars if he owes so much money to Lobo? I don't understand. There's right. a million dollars in that hangar. Easy. Mm. Unless he's like underwater on all those cars. But like if he had them all on loan and he doesn't actually own them outright and he's just making payments, maybe not. But there's still some value in there and you would think that those cars would all have been gone to pay gambling debts. So yeah, I don't I don't understand that at all. I think they really focus on reputational harm in this episode. So this is a this is a thing with the forced outing of the students and the blackmail of the students. Again, more blackmail, my God. Kylie committing felony extortion. It's the same felony that Keith and Terrence and Lamb are all gonna get charged with. It's subject to some serious penalties. Use of the mail um, to commit this crime is also going to land her with more severe penalties. But Really? Why? Well, extortion is a state crime, so she's going to face state penalties. But use of the mail services may also subject her to federal charges. And I'm not sure how this was going to go down because she said her mom works there. And you want to go, so does that mean she was planning to, like, go to her mom's work and rifle around in the mailroom? Was the mom going to retrieve the package for her? She's stealing mail that's not addressed to her. That's a federal crime. What's his face with the rims? Kelly. Kelly. Yes, Kelly. Lied to the police and filed a false police report and also committed insurance fraud. Hey, you want to talk about the pizza burglar? Arturo? I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, what's Arturo facing? Yeah, so Arturo is probably not facing anything. What? But he tased people. Okay, yeah, he's... he's Assault? Battery? Stealing pizzas? Here's the thing. You cannot force someone to confess something under penalty of being attacked by a dog. Um, Tape them without their consent 
and then tape them mm. to a pole and call the police. Mars laws. <laughs> that confession is going to be inadmissible. And also, when they question Arturo, Arturo is a freshman, Corny said. So uh, you cannot question a a minor, uh, sorry, not just a minor, a kid that's under 15 um, can't waive their Miranda rights before consulting with an attorney. And when Cliff shows up, he is definitely going to tell Arturo to keep his mouth shut. They might be able to search uh, Arturo's apartment or his house and find whether or not he has pizza lying around. But again, that's going to be pretty circumstantial. So yeah, it's going to come down to Corny and Veronica. And considering Veronica is um, doing the illegal wiretapping once again, it's not a, it's not a good case. I'm pretty sure Cliff is going to get Arturo off. Is it a crime to order pizza for someone else that doesn't know you're doing it? Pizza fraud? Pizza fraud. <laughs> well, Jenny, is your favourite line, work your funky magic? Nay, my favorite line is, I have to pick this one. It's like my cultural obligation, Helen. Sorry to blow your mind, but I'm a lesbian, Veronica. If only she had said Mars, then we could drink. Ah, uh, have you ever used that line yourself? Mm, I don't think so. I, I can't imagine it blowing anyone's mind to discover that I am uh, gay. Not all explosives are as identifiable as the ones that Veronica finds. Right. And some mines are more blowable than others. I guess. I'm praying that your line was my other contender for best line. Uh, Let it be so. I found it funny when Veronica said, are you ready to be the bait corny? And he's like, hell yeah, no one's better. I'm what you'd call a master bait. Yeah, corny. Nice. Bless him. Should we rate this fucking episode? Better had to, Jenny. I just really wish they didn't love homophobia and shame as much as they do. Yeah, I want to give it points for like, in in one way, you know, subverting our expectations and making like the air quotes hot cheerleader a lesbian. I feel like that doesn't happen as often, right? Um, I, I want to give them points for like having a plot about gay students, but it just was so ragged and painful. And again, not a positive plot. Not a positive plot at all. Because the one that was the least closeted was blackmailing the other ones. Yeah, it's pretty bad representation. preying on their shame. I have no choice but to give this episode, which was a confusing mess, maybe like one and a half $1,500 rim. That's generous. Thank you. I liked seeing Veronica doing some detectiving, even if a lot of it was misbegotten. I liked Corny. I liked seeing Carmen again, even just a little bit. If the character of Kylie hadn't been blackmailing other people and playing on their shame, then I would have been like, cool, a lesbian who seems proud and uh, happy about it. That would have been a nice character. That's not what you get on this show, Helen. No, 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 no. So I guess I'll give it two $1 poker chips. Wow which it will then lose. This episode just made um, like 22.52 off of us. Is that right? Between one and a half $1,500 rims and $2 mm. in poker chips. <laughs> this episode made a tidy profit. Maybe Kylie's going to get out an Neptune after all with all the funds we just provided. What's the going rate of half a rim though, Jenny? 
I feel like as soon as it's not a whole rim, the value just plummets. No, 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 no. You can solder it together with the other half of a rim. So I'm, I'm valuing it at seven fifty. You don't have the other half. The episode didn't earn it. Hmm. Well, I dare say that's this episode of Veronica Mars Investigated. Case closed. That was Veronica Mars Investigations Season 2, Episode 14, Versatile Toppings. Watch Season 2, Episode 15, and join us in a week to investigate it. Content warning, Troy! No! Find the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at VMIPod. The website where the show lives in a hangar with a lot of fancy cars and the mayor's helicopter is vmipod.com. Good gravy. My name is Jenny Owen Youngs, and when I'm not making this podcast, I make a podcast called Buffering the Vampire Slayer. You can listen to it where podcasts are found. I also make a great deal of music. That is my main life pursuit, and you can hear some of it and learn more about all that biz at jennyowenyoungs.com. I am Helen Zaltzman, and I make two other podcasts. Answer me this. And The Illusionist, and lately on The Illusionist, an episode about translating Black Lives Matter into Yiddish. That's at theillusionist.org. This episode was edited and mixed by Helen Zaltzman. Thanks to Ian Stedman for the episode transcript. The music is by Martin Orstwick and Jenny Owen Youngs. The sheriff of this town is Rishi K. Shearway. The show is distributed by PRX. Until next time, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Where does he keep his drugs? well away from me, unfortunately. (laughs) 